I gotta ask. Uh-huh. Anytime you hear the number one twenty two. One twenty two and an eight. And an eight. <laughs> <laughs> And welcome to another episode of Booyaka Tales Radio. I'm your host, Rob, and join with me, as always, on these Booyaka Tales Radio episodes is my main man, my partner in IDW Ninja Turtle Crime, Mr. Zach Norris. How are you, buddy? I'm good, Rob. What's up, dude? Hey, I am doing great. It is 11.05 p.m. I am... I've got about a liter of Diet Pepsi in my belly right now. <laughs> so I, I'm hanging in, man. How, how's life been for you in the last few weeks? Um, life the last few weeks has been pretty good, man. Uh, it was a little hairy at one moment. I, I didn't, um, didn't share too much of this cause we were just kind of, you know, going through it day by day. But, yeah. uh, my wife, uh, a couple weeks ago, my wife tested positive for COVID on a Sunday. Oh, man. Uh, pretty sure it was like work related. And then the following, well, well that day, so she tested positive, And then that afternoon I drove Ronan to, um, a place where we could get him a test. They tested him. We got the results back the next day. He was also positive. So they were home for 10 days. And then I was home for 10 days quarantining with them because Aaron at my job, um, now or never comics, shout out Aaron. He wanted to play it safe. Obviously, like I I took a test um, the following day and I was negative. Uh, Don't know. Don't know how I dodged the bullet. I'm guessing (laughs) just Katie and Ronan uh, were, were closer to somebody at work than they wanted to be or should have been or whatever the case was. But I I was lucky, was fortunate enough to not have it, but stayed home, you know, due to quarantining and being safe. And, you know, so got to spend some time with them and take care of them. Uh, Everybody's all good. Like no symptoms were too severe. Like Ronan just had a little bit of a cough and a runny nose. Katie was just a little, little run down and kind of, you know, nasty feeling. And she had some congestion, but uh, everybody's everybody's good now. I'm back at work. Katie and Ronan are back at school and work. Uh, just just chugging along, man. That's great, man. What well, you know? I'm I'm praying for a speedy recovery. Everyone's okay, and uh, I'll tell you, appreciate it, dude. Absolutely, man. And I'll tell you, we went through the same exact thing. This was about two weeks ago. My daughter got it first, bless her heart, and then uh, she spread it to my wife. I got it. I'm pretty sure my son got it. We all did. So it was kind of my wife and I were kidding the other day. The last two weeks, we've actually gotten to work two full weeks for the first time in like the entire school year. Okay. <laughs> between uh, the quarantining and allergies and being sent home and all the stuff that we've had to go through this school year. Uh, yeah. It's really weird to work Monday through Friday again. <laughs> yep. so. No, man, it is. I I feel so bad for Katie because she's in a child care center. Yeah. You know, there's like a hundred something kids there. There's 30 something teachers there. And, you know, it's just one of those things like because of the, because of the world we live in, because of the way, uh, I'm not going to get too deep in the weeds on this, but what, you know, because of the way certain things were handled, it, this situation is what it is. It's now basically like an everyday reality where we are living with this, like it's, it's not, it's not if it's basically when now, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And dude, like Katie, 
like a month or so ago, Katie was up against it because basically like three of the four people who run the center with her were out. So Katie for, you know, two weeks was doing, she was one person basically doing like three people's jobs. Then they came back and they lost a couple more teachers. And then a classroom had to get shut down because a kid had it. And then they, we had a interesting kind of turn of events where while uh, Ronan stayed home with me one day because he wasn't feeling good and we were trying to keep him away from other people like in case he had it, that day that he was out, one of the kids in his classroom tested with it. So that classroom had to be shut down. All the kids in that class that day then had to stay home for 10 days. But because Ronan wasn't there, he didn't have to. So then he was going to work with Katie and he was the only infant in the infant room. So three teachers, three teachers in the infant room who usually have, you know, 10 plus kids were just hanging out with Ronan all day. So that like (laughs) they had, they had three teachers who basically had become utility players and they were just kind of rotating in and out of other classrooms. But Ronan had like the run of the infant room. Oh, that's Um, great. He's like, this is mine now. (laughs) Right. And so what sucks this week though is so Katie and Ronan go back. Now the day after they've gone back, Ronan's room is shut down again because another kid has it. But because of like the quarantine rules, because Ronan tested positive within the last like 90 days or something like that, or 30 days, I think, he doesn't have to stay home. But again, like his entire classroom is shut down again. So he's back to, there's like two, it's him and one other kid now in the infant room. So it just feels like this, you know, revolving door of like, you stay home and then we'll stay home and then yes. everybody stays home. And it's, it's just a mess, man. It's oh just a mess. man. I know what you're talking about. I know it's, and I, oh, you're get, a teacher. Yeah. 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 You, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> don't even get me started. Like the, the last, Oh my gosh, I could get into it, but it's just been the most bizarre year I've ever worked as a teacher this year. And I thought, you know, last year was last year was definitely my most challenging year as a teacher, but this year has been my weirdest year as far as like missing so much, just the odds of, it's it's complicated but like it's just been a crazy crazy year so it's always kind of nice to go back to home base which is the turtles and i'll tell you it's been like a month or so i know we and i you and i had talked not too long ago and we covered our annual and the issue 120 we finally got to talk about that and by the way on you know while it's on the top of my mind I am so sorry. Uh, Sophie Campbell, she she actually listened to our episode again. Thank you so much, Sophie, for doing that. And I apologize uh, to Jody uh, Nishijima because I was giving Sophie all the credit in the art, and she had actually uh, – uh, Jody had actually drawn it. So that was that was on me for sure. Uh, but obviously two incredible artists. And, uh, yeah, I feel like a dingbat for what I said in the last episode. <laughs> I, I think you're all good, man. I guess I I do want to, while we're taking the time here, I do want to address kind of, not that I feel like we owe any apologies or anything, like we're human beings, we have lives, like we, we do this for fun and we do it when we can. Oh, yeah. Um, but I guess just to explain to everybody out there why we've become a little more inconsistent with these than usual, it's basically because, b- besides the fact that, again, Rob and I are human beings with individual lives. We're both fathers. We both have jobs. Life is what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, But 
when I changed jobs, and I don't know if we've explained this yet on the podcast, on either podcast. Yeah, I don't know. But when I changed jobs, my schedule changed, and I now get out of work two hours later than I used to. So as Rob said, it's 11 o'clock p.m. his time. It's 8 o'clock p.m. my time. So that's kind of now more so than other things what holds us up is I used to get out at 5, and you know we could start talking at 5.30. Rob would you know get to bed at a normal time and get to have like a, a, a normal sleep schedule. <laughs> um, but because it's Friday and he's going into Saturday, he's he's toughing it out, being a soldier and, and helping make this happen. But, but that is, again, outside of kids and wives and life in general, the the time difference and me getting out of work later is one of the big holdups for us getting locked in and getting uh, getting to sit down and talk turtles. So, for anybody out there who's who's wondering why the episodes release, how and when they release, that is basically why. And again, not that we uh, owe anything to anybody or need to apologize to anybody. Just wanted to explain so that that's out there. And I I know we've got some great fans, some great listeners, some understanding people out there who know like. It is what it is. And all that is on, you know, on top of the fact that what we were just talking about, the world is what it is right now. Mm -hmm. So things, things are a little hairy (laughs) as they are. Oh yeah, for sure, man. I, I'll tell you, um, it's one of those things too. Like I just, I haven't gotten to really catch up with the IDW series either. You know, I finally picked up 125, uh, this past week. Uh, big shout out to a comic shop I found in Maryville, Tennessee called the Golden Age. Awesome, awesome shop. And um, I could just rattle on how nice they were and how unique the shop is. It's, it was an old radio station from the 50s. So it's like all these nooks and crannies in these studios in the back. And they've got like just all this. Did cool- you did you recently post about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That shop. That, oh, that looked like a cool shop, man. Super cool. And the artist that um, – I actually got to meet the artist that did all the paintings around the shop and everything. Really professional. I wonder if he's actually done comics before. But anyways, I did pick up 125. I haven't gotten to read it yet, but I have read up oh, to – I've read everything up to 124, I think. Um, yeah, I've, I've been chomping at the bit to talk about these books for sure. But it's kind of funny. Like I am an old man when it comes to <laughs> bedtime. Like, dude, no joke. I get – I go to bed at, during my time, usually around 830, uh, but yeah. I'm up at like 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're a madman. Oh, well, well, I'll tell you today, like I said, I've got a liter of diet Pepsi in me, so we're good to go. And today we are talking about, uh, issues 121 and 122. So we're slowly making our way through to get caught up and we'll probably double up on the next episode as well, maybe with 123 and 124. And then probably by that time, 126 will be out and we'll just do two more. <laughs> Wish I'm, might as well. We'll might figure it well. out as we go. Absolutely. And, and Rob, I know I'm probably not the only turtle fan who does this. Yeah. But I got to ask, uh-huh. anytime you hear the number 122, do you 122 add and an 8? And an 8? <laughs> <laughs> Just slide it, it is, down here, dude. <laughs> yeah, I am at, working at a comic shop. You might you may or may not be surprised how many times I see something numbered 122 in a, uh, in a day and every time I was gonna dude, say how many just, times do you say it <laughs> it, it every time it, every single time I hear or see the number 122 I'm like and an eighth 
and I, I don't think it'll ever ever go away. You know, I think that is a I think that is an epidemic uh, that is just unique only to turtle fans. You know, I, it but it's so funny is. you bring that up because I do the same exact thing, and I don't think we're the only I'm, ones. We're definitely not. We're definitely not. There's I, no way. And that's something I never thought about until you just brought that up. But that is so true. Right. <laughs> or like, I mean, I guess like an even easier one too is like, how many times have you either been at a pizza place or ordered pizza and you think to yourself or you say out loud like, pizza dude's got 30, 30 seconds. seconds. <laughs> Almost every time, dude. And I eat pizza quite a bit. Oh, I know. I know. I catch myself. Now, this is completely random and definitely a stretch. And this is probably only unique to my dumb self but i uh anytime there's an awkward silence or anything or or if there's like that's just the perfect opportunity i will use you were expecting maybe the adams family i don't out of nowhere from (laughs) turtles 3 (laughs) that is probably a bit more unique yeah 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 I yeah. like it though. I like it. <laughs> like if there's anything like kind of shocking, or if you know my my wife was expecting something else to happen, I'll usually th- throw that out there, and she just kind of like, "What? What is that even from?" I'm like, "Just, I'm sorry." <laughs> and and you tell her uh, the best turtle movie, duh. Right, right. <laughs> Hello, violators. You're in Casey's comic classroom. Prepare to be schooled. So, yeah, so guys, we are um, hopping into 121 here, and gosh, from what I remember, old Hob, he's in some pretty hot water here. So, Zach, if you don't mind, I'll read the story so far, If you want to, uh, and then after that, if you want to take the first few pages, we'll, we'll hit it running. Yeah, sounds good, man. You handle the, uh, the story so far and the, uh, the credits, and I will, I'll, I'll jump into uh, Hob getting uh, beat up with a pipe. <laughs> I love how it just cuts right to that, too. That's great. It, it's it's pretty gruesome. Pretty brutal, yeah. So, uh, yeah, the story so far in issue 121 here. A protest against the mute animals has turned violent after Man Ray orders snipers to kill Sally Pride. The turtles and their students take the fight to the mute animals, storming their compound. Man Ray has been incapacitated, and now the crowd turns on Old Hob. So with that, the story consulting was done by Kevin Eastman and Tom Waltz. Stories done by Sophie Campbell. Art by Jody Nishijima. And colors by Rhonda Patterson, letters by Sean Lee, and editor Bobby Kernow. The late Bobby Kernow for IDW makes me sad. <laughs> I miss him already. <laughs> yeah. And with that, I will turn it over to you. Cool, man. So we start this issue off literally right after where 120 ends, which I'm I'm a fan of when comics do that. Mm-hmm. I love that, you know, the Turtles is sadly one of the few comics that I read that has a story so far page that catches you up. I feel like that should be that that should just be a standard in the medium. Like every comic should have this page on it telling or, or, or should have, should have something like, again, doesn't need to be the whole page. It's clearly not the whole page on, you know, you got the credits, you got the indicia, blah, blah, blah. Um, I wish it was a more standard thing. I wish Marvel books did it. I wish DC books did it, but you'd be surprised how many comics don't do it. Right. Um, but, uh, in terms of the actual book itself, we start off right after issue 120. They've cornered Hob, and now they haven't just cornered him. They're literally pummeling this man. <laughs> he is getting hit with a baseball bat. He is getting stomped. He's getting hit with a pipe. Mona Lisa is in the second panel. Like, look at her, dude. She is just, she is doing her best Casey Jones impression and <laughs> wailing on Hob. I love this like rooster character in the back. Like in the second panel, they're just like off to the side and you just see this little chicken foot like stomping old hob. 
looks, that. looks That's funny. Yeah, it looks really funny, but also like again, this is pretty brutal. Like yeah. my man is getting getting stomped by a sheep and a panda and a rabbit. And somebody from off off panel sell, uh, yells, "No, no more hurt, Dada!" And we find Zana defending Old Hob says, "You know, don't hurt him." Raph's like Zana, "Hey, Hob finds his chance to bolt. He bolts. Raph goes after him. The weasels look worried. Mona goes after him too. Hob's trying to escape. He's doing the old school movie thing. I'm gonna throw some trash cans and <laughs> and bookshelves and kitchen utensils. Gonna throw everything in the way to try to evade these people. The other group, the turtles and and Sally and Sheena are coming in. They get in the midst of this. We turn the page. Hob gets a fire extinguisher, which again I feel like is a classic thing. Like somebody's running from somebody and they always somehow find a fire extinguisher to like <laughs> hose somebody down and then hit him with the fire extinguisher. Mm-hmm. Mikey's yelling for uh, Mona to wait up. Raph gets around the corner. Him and Hob duke it out again. Raph gets bashed with the fire extinguisher. And then Mona uses her crazy lizard tail to whip Hob, catches him. She yells, you took everything from me. And remember, this is this is kind of a big moment for Mona Lisa because a handful of issues back, you know, we saw her try and, you know, talk to her parents and that didn't go well. She was going to school and now she can't because she's, you know, this this mutant lizard person. And we really got to see the effects of this change and, and what they've done to Mona mentally and emotionally, not just physically. And I thought I thought that was a really cool touch. And now we're seeing this moment where she is is trying to get her revenge, is is trying to, you know, let Hob know how she feels. And luckily for Hob, Herman bolts around the corner. He starts to unload. Everybody jumps behind some tables and some desks and, you know, more furniture. And Raph charges in, and again, this is some some impulsive raft stuff. He's literally charging <laughs> Herman, who has two guns drawn, one of which is like a mini gun, basically a Gatling gun. Goes after him. He just straight hurdles Herman. Mona and Mikey take Herman out, and I love that. Like as they're taking him out, Mikey's like, "Sorry, Herman." <laughs> Raph takes <laughs> down Hob. Yeah, nothing personal, dude. You're just a giant hermit crab in a dumpster with guns, but I gotta take <laughs> you out. Um. Raph slams Hob into a wall. Hob then slams Raph into a wall. They continue to duke it out. More, more violence. Like you really, again, we saw this last issue. Like these guys really, really do not like each other. Mm-hmm. And all starting in issue one. Yeah, oh, dude, like all the way back 12 mm-hmm. years ago, 12 years of this. That is so cool. Yeah. Rat, uh, Hob goes to say something to Raph. Raph tells him, shut up draws a sigh and rob i'll let you take it from here but yeah yeah so this is you know like you said going all the way back to you know the first couple of issues here they have a long long blood blood feud going on here and and also um going back to the bomb in the first place in mutant town uh and how rap was loosely and well i wouldn't even say loosely involved in that and how much regret yeah. he has. So all that pent up anger. Now they finally have Hob where they want him. And Raph just takes a sigh. And I was like, oh, I did not see this coming. But he takes a sigh and he just punches it, stabs it right through old Hob's right shoulder. I mean, pins him yeah. to the wall, just staples him to the wall with his sigh. Yeah, that panel is brutal too. Like straight, like showing it through his arm out yeah. his back and like into the wall. That was that was pretty brutal. Yeah, and you know you don't see, or maybe I just 
never noticed, but you don't see a lot of blood in Turtles books. Uh, mm-hmm. And then here, you know, more recently, I say in the last five, four or five issues, we've seen that, and it, it's it's jarring. So I'm I'm glad we don't see it a bunch because when you do see it, it does make an impact. It may, exactly, dude, makes it count. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, Michelangelo, he's taken back by this. He goes, "Whoa, Raph!" Uh, Michelangelo just takes Raph, and and you see Raph, he looks surprised that he did that at the the end of um, the last panel on page eight, and Mikey just kind of holds him and says. Let's just take a breather, okay? And Raph finally yeah, just kind of snaps him out of it. Yeah, Raph kind of like he's he's winded. He's like, yeah. And gosh, old Hob, he he does not stop. There's there's times where I'm like, just stop talking, Hob. Stop running. Just stop talking. Yeah, I want to like you. Just stop being the weasel you are, even though you're a cat. Yep. Uh, he goes. Now you got to figure out. Now you got to figure out what to do with me, huh? He's got a good point. So Michelangelo he does, and this this actually is a good point to bring this up. Why is Michelangelo the only one of the only ones, and I think he's the only turtle that actually has pupils? Um, you know what, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up here because I think I am not sure if this is uh, an artistic choice mm-hmm. or what, because it it gets a little gets a little lost a couple times here where. On the pages with Raph and Hob, I thought it was I thought it was a choice yeah. because what we're seeing is like Raph's out of control. Right. So he's got like his, you know, the the ninja attack eyes on, right? Like you know, you kind of know the turtles mean mean business when there's no pupils, mm-hmm. right? It's it's either them being like in stealth mode or they're, you know, they're in in serious mode if you will. So I thought that's what we were seeing is like Raph doesn't have pupils here because he's in he's in all out serious mode and Mikey's trying to bring him back from the precipice, right? So we're seeing Mikey's eyes, seeing him being like soft and tender and worrying about Raph. But then you turn the page and Leo, Donnie, Jenica don't have eyes. Right. In one panel, in two panels, and then you go down actually it looks like excuse me. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, actually, so, so in the top panel, nobody's got pupils in the second panel. It looks like they gave Leo a little bit of pupils in the third panel, Jenica and Leo have pupils. And then in the fourth panel, nobody has pupils again. So I don't know if it's, if it's Jody deciding like these characters aren't, well, no, that can't be right because Leo and Jenica are right. I was going to say, like, maybe she's deciding, like, if they're not in the foreground, I'm not going to focus and give them uh, give them pupils. But in the in the fourth panel, Leo and Jenica are, are right there, right up close to the, the camera, if you will. So so I'm not sure. Not sure if that's just um, something, if it's an artistic choice, if it is like a, a mood choice, like maybe right now Mikey's the only one that's like not in aggressive mode because like sheena's got pupils yeah and mona lisa's got pupils so but again like the only thing the only hang up i have with with that argument is that leo and and jenica have pupils in that third panel so not exactly sure um but i'm glad you brought that up because that brings me to another thing where i really think jody nishijima's strengths are in the character interactions Mm -hmm. um the the action and the big action sequences like some of the some of the fight stuff, like the the spot with 
uh, Mona and Mikey and Herman looks pretty good. And some of the stuff between Raph and Hob looks like pretty good and pretty intense. But I think she really shines with these like up close, like character interactions. Um, like when we're seeing Mikey's faces, he's like, whoa, Raph. And then, you know, let's take a breather. Like, yeah, you're really seeing the concern in Mikey's face. And like you said, you're really seeing like the look in Raph's face where he's like, oh man, like, like snapping out of it. Doesn't, doesn't know what's going, you know, doesn't know what's going on. That's, I think, where where she shines. That's her strength is, you know, these these interactions between people as opposed to her action stuff. But um, but yeah, not not sure what's up with the pupil thing. Yeah, man. Man. No, I'm, I'm with you, though, about the interaction, the expression. She does a really good job with that. And, and you see that all throughout the book. You know, it's just the subtle things, the facial expressions you see. Jody and Sophie do such a great job with that. Mm-hmm. So uh, we get Leo. He's got his um, walkie-talkie. Here. He goes, Raph, uh, you there? Where are you? Over. And Jenica goes, let's, let's go find him, Mikey. If Hob did anything to them, uh, and then Donnie goes, and Mona, she was with them too. And then they come uh, into the room with, I love how Raph's just kind of holding him over his shoulder. Um, <laughs> yeah. We got him. And Mona Lisa, she's um, just kind of wiping the blood off of her chin or whatever as they walk in. Raph tosses uh, old Hob on the floor. Man raised right next to him, tied up as well. And uh, Raph goes, guys, heavier than I expected. Mona goes, yeah, we got the crab guy too. He's da- he's tied up down the hall. And they look fist bump. And then finally, uh, Leo goes, where's Mikey? Speak of the devil. And he's in the next panel. He goes, hey, look, look who I found roaming around. And then it's Pigeon Pete. I kind of forgot he was around. Pigeon Pete. And he's so clueless because remember, he's part of the Mutanimals, you know. And I remember there was a scene where he was with Man Ray, but he probably had no idea that Man Ray was going to even do what he did. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think Pigeon Pete doesn't know a lot of things going on. That's right, that's right. But maybe he will be, um, you know. I, but, you know, it, it, it cracks me up. Are you a big fan of The Office by any chance? I would not say I'm a big fan, but okay. I've seen quite a bit of it. My, I have this kind of funny relationship with, not even funny relationship, that's not a, the appropriate term. <laughs> my brother has this thing where, like, my brother will come over from Phoenix, he'll stay with me for a weekend, and... He will come in and regardless of what is going on in the house, he will turn on my PlayStation, go like straight to Hulu or Netflix or whatever, and he either puts on The Office or It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. (laughs) And so I have seen episodes of both of those shows, but only watching them with my brother. (laughs) Well, that's awesome, man. Hey, you know, those shows bring you closer together. That's for sure. Yep, yep. Yeah, so uh, Pigeon Pete, he kind of reminds me of Creed from The Office because there's a scene where, I mean, Creed's like the most quirky character and you don't really know much about him. But then all of a sudden there's like one episode where he's like a genius at chess. And I think there's a scene later on either in this book or the next one where like, once again, Pigeon Pete is the genius at chess. (laughs) So (laughs) just a weird quirky character that happens to be a genius at one thing. Uh, So Sally, she shouts out in, in Glee, Pete. Uh, she gives him a big hug and says, so, so glad you're safe. And then uh, I think it's, is it Xana? No, uh, mm-hmm. uh, one of them says, bird. So they're like, ooh, tasty. Uh, and Yeah, right. Yeah, and then the turtles, they're having a conversation and what they need to do about old Hob and Man Ray because they're like, okay, we have no real judicial system here or uh, no real you know enforcement policy. What do we do with these guys now that we finally got them? So Leo goes, so what do we do with these guys? There must be holding cells here, or at least some small offices that we can simply look uh, lock them into until we decide what to do. Donatello goes, I don't know if that's the Splinter Clan's call. We're not law enforcement. 
So now they're both kind of like stumped, and Donatello, he kind of turns to Sally here, and Sally says, you guys can sit this one out then, but we need some kind of temporary solution. There should still be cages Hob was using for the baby mutants. Donatello goes, we're all, we also just don't have the resources or structures in place to keep detainees, period. Not to mention it would be immoral. So once again, these are all the ethical questions that they're starting to have to encounter here. Sally, she's kind of already looking distressed here. She goes, right, I guess we need some justice system or something like that. And then uh, old Hob, he's just got this smirk like, you guys are way over your heads. And Jay, now Jay looks mad. He's like, we need to kill this guy. He goes, why can't we just let them rot forever or a public execution? They they sure deserve it. And even (laughs) even Michael Lance is like, Jay, calm down, man. It's going to be all right. Yeah. So old Hop, he's still got his evil smirk. Mikey's calming a lot of people down in this episode. He really is. Really is. Epis- this issue. Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> and he says, what's it going to be, Pride? Make a call. And he knows, old Hop knows this is very, very different for her. And he knows that, you know, he's trying to get in her head a little bit. What's he going to do about it? Hey, I tried to run the city. It didn't work out. It's a lot harder than you think. And, uh, you know, let's see if that plays into Sally Pride's head. But with that, I will turn page 13 over to you, man. All right, buddy. So Sally turns over to Pige, uh, Pigeon Pete, excuse me, and says, "All right, let's go find those cages, Pete. You know where those are?" He says, "Yep." Takes him right to like a kind of warehouse-looking room, full of crates, boxes, so on and so forth. Man Ray's already in there. He's already caged up. Sally's like, "Ray, Herman and Pete told me everything. How could you have fired upon us? How could you order them to kill me? I know we've had our differences, but this." And Ray tells her, "Sally." still care for you but this is wartime things are different she says it's only wartime because you made it wartime you and hob you kept children in cages ray after being kept in one yourself did you forget what that was like and ray turns it back on her and says and now you have me in a cage sally says because i don't know what else to do with you you're dangerous i don't want it to be like this but i have a responsibility to keep these people safe and you've made yourself their biggest threat. They kind of stare each other down. They're both sad. They're both disappointed that the situation is what it is. Mikey and Pigeon <laughs> Pete look at each other. They're, they're sad and bummed, you know, that the situation is what it Pete is. He looks so sad. He looks super sad. <laughs> and Mikey's looking at him like, man, you look sad, little pigeon dude. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Ray's like, you betrayed the mutanimal, Sally. And now you're on the verge of being in charge of Mutant Town, and I know how your people would treat us. I had to do something. Mm. And again, that's that's the only part that I don't love. And and, and I'll continue on for a second because maybe Sally addresses it here. Sally says they weren't supposed to be my people; they were supposed to be our people. The only ones dividing mutant kind is you and Hob. And as she walks away, Ray says, "You're wrong." Mikey says, "Sally, hey." They let her continue on. And so again, there's the the only kind of hang up I have with Ray's actions is that like him deciding like we've got to merc these people, we got to set snipers out and shoot people. Like remember, we saw we saw the snipers actually land shots. Yeah. Like they they either maimed, hurt, maimed, or killed people. And he thinks that those actions were were fair and valid because if Sally and the turtles would have gotten into the base that, that they would have like harmed them somehow. And I just don't, I don't know at what point 
in this 12-year run of comics, would Ray have seen any actions from the Turtles that would make him think that? Like, at at what point has Ray witnessed any of the Turtles be like, oh, you know what, this guy's a bad guy, let's kill him, cold blood, let's, you know, let's execute him. It just doesn't sound like, to me, anything that the Turtles would do, no matter who it is. Like, they, there were times when they you know, captured other people or when they, you know, defeated other people and they didn't kill anybody. The only time that, that somebody has been, you know, directly killed to, to my knowledge is it's either like an inadvertent thing, you know, like agent Bishop when he got smashed by kind of his own monster Hun when he got, you know, shot by the lasers by agent Bishop. Um, we we saw slash you know he had the bomb in his in his body mm-hmm. we so like all that stuff is like like the bomb in slash's body was was intentional the inadvertent is not the right word but that was a bad guy killing a good guy right, right. we've never seen the turtles directly end anybody's life except when splinter killed Urokusaki. right and right. And even that, like, it was in this big challenge thing. It it was like this ceremonial battle. We saw the turtles duke it out with, you know, Koya and Bludgeon and Rocksteady and Bebop. And and they just incapacitated them. They didn't kill any of those people. So again, long story longer, I just don't see... I don't see anything in, in any of the turtles' books that validates Ray's thoughts that like, oh man, if the turtles and Sally would have caught me and Hob, they would have killed us. I'm like... I don't know, but yeah, same, same thing with Sally too, because Sally and Manray go way back. Sally would never let that happen. The the only thing I could think of is like maybe his thought process is the Splinter Clan, the other members that aren't that have no history with Man Ray, might be out for blood. I mean, people like Jay that are relatively new characters, they're like, right, you know, we got to kill them all. Yeah, and that's that's a that's a pretty logical, you know, like Jay was pretty pretty tight about it and he's like you know him and mona lisa like i could i could certainly see people you know i could i could see like a you know torch in in pitchfork mob being you know like calling for their deaths like hey we want these guys to suffer yeah but i in no way do i see splinter clan letting that happen like none of the turtles would let that happen Mm -hmm. sally wouldn't let that happen um you know, Ghost Ninja Orokusaki, I don't even think would let that happen. So like just just some interesting stuff going on here with with Ray and Sally. But anyways, we catch back up with uh, Mona Lisa and Donnie and don't necessarily catch up with them. We're still watching like Sally leave the the room here. But as they're talking, Jay's like, you know, this didn't go at all the way I hoped. And Donnie says, Jay, we made huge strides today. You should be proud. For the first time in a long while, I feel like the future is going to be brighter. And Mona Lisa says, I guess. Like again, like you were just saying, that's a good point. Like they they're disappointed in what happened because to them, they didn't get enough of like a an violent outcome. Uh Donnie says, Mona, you used to break in here and take supplies and food, right? She says, Yeah, I did. I'll show you where it all is. There's a mother load of stuff here. Donnie says, I'd like to find Hobbes' office too. There might be useful information here. We need to be careful, though. There might be some enforcer stragglers still lurking around. So now we jump over to Leo and Raph doing their interrogation of Hob. And now Hob literally looks like somebody's kicked the crap out of him because quite a handful of people did kick the crap out of him. 
So Raph says, all right, Fleabag, who are you talking to on the other end of your walkie-talkie? He says, just a friend. Leo says, I figured you had more mutanimals out there. We'll keep an eye out for them. And Raph said, who is it, Hob? Mondo? Someone new? Whoever it is, they ain't going to spring you. Hob looks unfazed, and Raph says, tell us, come on, spit it out. Leo said, Raph, let's go. This isn't our job. Raph storms out, says, I don't know what my job is anymore. As they leave, again, Hob looks pretty disappointed. He looks a little mm-hmm. looks a little bummed at the outcome of the day. Leo hangs up a key, which this is, you know, this this is young man mistake right here. This is again, this is clearly something like the turtles have no experience in keeping prisoners or <laughs> hostages or captives. Like, yeah, let me just hang the keys up in the same room as the guy that we got locked <laughs> same room that the guy's locked up in. It's like classic classic mistake. Yeah, like, oh. At least a different room uh, or across a hall. Or Keep them in a pouch on your belt. Oh, that's um, even better. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so Raph and Leo leave. We see the uh, the, the weasels, excuse me, uh, slinking around the corner. They come up to Hob. He says, hey there, girls. They say, dada. He says, you want to help me get out of here? Help me out and we can finally be together. They're smiling. He says, we can finally be a real family. They look enticed. They look like they want to help him. And that is the end of this issue. Gosh, quick issue. Quick issue, a lot of like that was that was pretty breakneck. You know, a lot of fights, a lot of chasing, mm-hmm. little little bit of resolution, and on to the next one. Yeah, yeah. So you know, help me so we can finally be together. We we can finally be a real family. So I mean, you obviously get the sense. I mean, he's acting so smug and like he's got this plan all along, or this backup plan, whatever. So you just get the sense that his intentions are still not good, and now he's going yeah. to use the weasels for his own plan or for uh, for his own uh, i don't know what the word i'm looking for is schemes and uh yeah there was something else man ray said that i thought was really interesting he says uh and hang on let me find it okay so sally says the only ones dividing mutant kind is you and hob and then man ray he just says his last words to sally are you're wrong and that made me think is there somebody else involved is there somebody else that is, that's dividing it? That's a good point. I was thinking that too. Like, who is he referring to? Like, is it just him being like, is that just, just a like, you know, throw oh, away? I'm, like, like, I'm the bad guy, right? Like I'm the bad guy of the issue and I'm disagreeing with you until the end. Like, no, you're wrong. Yeah. Or is it, is it a little more deep than that? Yeah. Does he know more than we know? Yeah, exactly. Does he know more than we know? Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, so so pretty pretty good issue here. Um I uh I have a love hate relationship with Old Hop. I really do. And wait to I guess I'll wait to talk about it more in, in depth in the next episode. You know, again, I just I saw part of me kinda wished in this particular episode when I first read it, my first gut instinct was that he just kind of gave himself up instead of ran. But mm-hmm. I understand why he ran now because there's something else deeper going on. But yeah, I, I like Sally Pride in this issue. I like um, I like Michelangelo being kind of the moral center of this issue. He does a lot of calming people down these days, and uh, he does. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's definitely the voice of reason. He's been for a long time. But yeah, uh, this was a pretty solid issue. I I really liked this issue. Uh, again, pretty pretty quick pace. Feels felt like a good just you know action comic get in get out mm-hmm. 
you see some fights, you see some resolution. Like again, we'd we'd been building up to the protest for quite a few issues. The protest kind of took place over an issue or so. Uh, you know, like the tail end of what was it, one twenty, and then bled into one twenty one a little bit. So, so seeing the kind of uh, or seeing the climax in one twenty one, and then again the the fallout of it. Ray's locked up, Hobbs locked up. Like, where do we go from here? This was a little little easy breezy issue that that got the job done. Oh, for sure, for sure. And I I loved uh, the cover A, uh, the the Jody cover. I, I thought that cover was so cool with with old Hob coming in the bottom right, and then you see his his shadow with the uh, with the weasels with Sally, Man Ray, and a few yeah. others. I actually have the Eastman cover, which I like. But I kind of prefer the uh, the Jody cover a little bit more. I just love that uh, layout there. Yeah, no, this is this might be my favorite Jody cover. Mm-hmm. Um, it is is very striking. Like I love how it's predominantly black. Like yeah. kind of feels like old school turtles there. Like you know these like dark covers with a lot of like one solid color. Um, but yeah, like Hob down there in the bottom right corner kind of has this like. Metal Gear Solid yeah, vibe going it's for like him, and then vibe. there's noir vibe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then just like the big splash of like, you know, the the people, the people in that kind of like cutout, that kind of shadowy, you know, shaper. Like these are the people connected to him who are feeling the feeling the like pressure and you know results of his actions or the consequences of his actions. Excuse me. Yeah, so I, I don't think there was anything in the Ninja Notes that stood out to me that I can remember. Uh, but honestly, it's, guys, I, I read these a long time ago, and then I read them again last week. And I haven't read them since, so I feel really bad. I've forgotten a lot of the things that uh, I wanted to talk about. But, yep, the first one definitely goes uh, pretty quick. I think the, the 122 gets a little bit more exposition, a little bit more dialogue in it. But, yeah, man, so cool. I will uh, take us right into issue number 22. Excuse me, 122. And an eighth. There it is. There it is. <laughs> so I have the Eastman cover again. So I'm going to take a look at the inside cover here. Oh, I love that cover by Jody again. With with the whole family. Is that like a Thanksgiving feast they have there? Uh, Even though this is technically Halloween. That is, it looks. Um, I'm reading my my Eastman copy, so I'm looking at the same picture. Yeah, it looks oh, like yeah. they're looks like they're probably doing like a little Thanksgiving kind of dinner, or just like a. Hey, we're all hanging out and showing love. This is Mutant Town now. Yeah, I love I love this. I love with all the the characters and everything. But I see Casey in the background. I don't think Casey makes an appearance in this issue, does he? I don't think half the characters on the cover show up in this issue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know he's coming up. Um, is Casey? I'm I'm just doing a quick quick flip through to see if Mister Jones is here. And he is not. Oh, wow. Okay, so, there you go. Um, do you want to do the opposite on this one, dude? Do you want me to read the story so far and the sure. credits and then you'll take take off? I like I like that idea. Sounds good to me. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Story so far. Old Hob has been captured and the mutanimals have been removed from power in Mutant Town. But what comes next for the TMNT? Story Consulting Guys is done by Kevin Eastman and Tom Waltz. The story is by Sophie Campbell. Art by Jody Nishijima. Colors by Rhonda Pattison. Letters by Sean Lee. And edited by Bobby Curnow. All right. And with that, we we get to, you know, one of the most horrifying parts of uh, Old Hobbs' reign. 
And uh, we're going to get to that. So, whoa, Mona. Or, wow, Mona, you weren't kidding. This place is loaded. So they're in a storage house here, and Mona opens up one of the crates. Let's see. Uh, Jenica, she goes, what a weirdo. I don't get why, why the heck, what the heck this guy's plan was. And, of course, we don't either, really, at this point. Uh, and there's a, there's a note taped to one of the boxes that says, help yourselves. Hob, who was he saving that for? So Donatello, he, um, he answers Jenica and says, Maybe Hob really did want good things for Mutant Town, and he just couldn't handle the infrastructure aspect. So, uh, Jenica's not buying it. She goes, seriously, you're kidding, right? And Donatello, he keeps going. He goes, no, I'm serious. I mean, look at all this stuff. The foot was helping bring in food, medical supplies, clothing, electronics, and the mutant animals clearly weren't even using the vast majority of it. So here it is right here. All right, the most nefarious thing that old Hob could have done. <laughs> All right, so Michelangelo, he opens one chest and it says, it's weird, but who cares? We won, you guys. We can give all this stuff out to everyone. Oh, dang, check it out. So as you flip the page, you see all the good stuff, the ice cream sandwiches, <laughs> all that stuff. Yeah, man. I, I was always a sucker for, the, you know, the Ninja Turtle Pops. You remember those? Did of you ever course, have them? dude. Yes. Of course. Yes. I, I love Ninja Turtle Pops. Um, mm-hmm. Even liked the the gumball eyeballs, even yes. though the the flavor of the gumball eyeballs lasted all of like two chews. Right, and um, they like tore up your teeth because you know cold gum is just very painful. Yeah, not <laughs> not good. Um, and it, it was like kind of chalky. But yes. I, th- I think, man, like ice cream wise, like like stuff like that, I would probably go like ice cream sandwich or whatever those. Um, like I think some some places call them like strawberry shortcake bars. Like they're like the ice cream oh. bars that had the crumbly like pink and you yes, know, like the crumbs on the outside. Those are so good. Oh yeah, with, with the cone, right? No, 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 no. Like this, this was like a like an ice cream bar on like a popsicle stick. Oh, oh yeah, I know exactly. They were kind of flat. Yeah. Yes, kind of they flat. Had like the same covered they had the same in shape crumbs. as like a creamsicle. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Oh yes, uh, good call, good call. I used to get those at uh, my middle school all the time. Oh, yeah. so good. So uh, yeah, so they're opening up the chest here, and Michelangelo goes, uh, "Oh, Jenica goes like seriously, what the heck?" And <laughs> Michelangelo goes, "Hey, maybe Donnie's right. What kind of guy? What kind of bad guy stockpiles ice cream popsicles, right?" And then Mona has a great line here: "Though maybe the worst kind of bad guy." And I'm, she's I'm not with her wrong. Yep. I'm with her. It's not until he goes, "We need to meet up with the other guy, the the others guys." And, of course, they have their little celebratory ice cream sandwiches and everything. And uh, April, she comes running in and she goes, turning this place into a city hall is definitely doable. And uh, Sally goes, yeah, and it doesn't have to look nice and fancy, just functional. And Pigeon Pete, he's just kind of just hanging out in the chair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's taking a load off. He's got a lot on his mind. I mean, I'm sure. I can imagine, like, if this was, like, a scene in a cartoon or a movie, he'd be sitting in the chair, but it would be spinning. Like, he'd be spinning himself, <laughs> just sitting there going in circles. Yeah, just, like, looking looking up at everyone, like, adoringly, like, hi. Yeah. <laughs> so, Michelangelo, he goes, uh, look what I, look what we found, the mutanimal ice cream mother load. And Al Peck's like, hey, hook me up. So, a pretty interesting part coming up here. So, uh, Sally, she goes, hey, you two. What would it take to get this place wired with internet alarms and all that stuff? And Donatello's like, I could do that. And uh, Mona, she goes, ah, we definitely need a proper connection since uh, me, April, and Lola are going to start a newspaper. The Mutant Town Gazette, something like that. So I, I like that April started to do some reporting now. Um, mm-hmm. We, we kind of get that old uh, journalistic um, part of her again. 
So uh, April goes, yeah, now that I'm stuck in Mutant Town for the time being, I want to keep busy. We'll need, uh, we'll need to have the office somewhere else, though, to maintain journalistic integrity. Lola, she uh, uh, she heals pretty well. I mean, she was shot like a, two issues ago, and she's already <laughs> in there like, hey, we're good. Let's write. Yep. Uh, she goes, good call. Plus, I don't plan on being at a desk much anyway. I want to be more of an embedded reporter telling the mutant story from the front lines, you know? Scrolling on down a little bit more, uh, we see that April, she's like, you know, I didn't think about I didn't think about that. I always took more after uh, my dad. Or I always thought I took more after my dad. He's a scientist, too, but some kind of journalism uh, feels just right for me now. And we find out that she got that more from her mother's side of the, of the family. Donatello, he goes, Sally, I don't mean to interrupt all, uh, all that, but what about Hob and Ray and the others locked up, locked up downstairs? And, of course, Sally's like, yeah, I know. we got to come up with a plan, judicial stuff. So with that, my friend, I will turn it over to you on page four. All right, so they start getting into the nitty-gritty of what people are going to do with their new their new power. Now that they've, you know, removed Hob from this position of power, how do they fill that vacuum and fill it responsibly, like fill it the right way? So we've got Donatello saying, without an agreed-upon set of laws, what's the line between prevention and incarceration? That's what I keep thinking about. And Sally says, right, who gets locked up, who doesn't? And... Donnie replies, and who judges that, and who would defend the accused, and so forth. Leo said, that's not for the Splinter Clan to decide. And Sally says, regardless, while we figure that out, we'll need someone in charge of keeping the peace on the streets. Leo says, not me, absolutely not. Donnie says, it can't be me either. I have all the work on the building to do, along with all my other maintenance work around town. And then Mona Lisa cuts in and says, plus, you're helping me with the school, don't forget. Mikey says, I got my podcast, and maybe I should join the newspaper? Sally turns to Jenica, and Jenica says, no way. Me and cops don't mix. Alapex chimes in and says, sorry, Sally. I ain't about that life. I got the shelter and the weasels to look after. Domestic stuff. Pete says, what about me? Peacekeeper Pete. I'd be the best. (laughs) Sally says, huh, thanks, Pete, but I'll need you here as an advisor <laughs> i think that was her nice way of saying that <laughs> that was yes yeah, you're uh, gonna advise uh, over yeah, there I, I need you here to help me advise but more so i need you here that i could keep an eye on you and make sure you don't <laughs> mess anything up <laughs> give, give Pete like this little computer that's not connected to the internet like here just type things yeah yeah so sally looks to Raphael, and raph says i'll do it and leo looking terribly surprised says really and alapex says raf you sure this will be a big job and mikey says bro you'd be so good at that <laughs> raf raf has a look on his face where he's kind of like appreciates what mikey said maybe is a little unsure but feels like it's like the right thing to do uh he says no i ain't sure but i think it's the right thing to do maybe it'll help me atone for some of the screw-ups i've made around here i'm still kind of responsible for this place and maybe i can get like some kind of redemption you know but Lola ain't the only one who doesn't want to be a pencil pusher sitting around here answering a helpline. I want to be out there on the streets. And Sally says, wouldn't have it any other way. And what were you going to say, bud? Okay, well, first of all, when he says pencil pushers, that I instantly thought of the – now, I don't know if Sophie did this on purpose. But this is just the way my messed up brain works. Uh, you remember Predator when Arnold sees uh, Apollo Creed? I can't remember the character. Oh, name. wow. Like, Looks yes. like they got you pushing too many pencils. And then yeah. they do the arm wrestle thing, right? They right do after the, that. The meme. The, yeah, the meme. Man, exactly. I, 
You may have just <laughs> figured something out, dude. I didn't think of, you know, it's so, Sally oh, and Raph man. right there. There it is right there, dude. That's the, <laughs> that meme has been used for some really, really good stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, man. I would not be surprised if that was some kind of callback, knowing, uh, knowing know. Sophie and the way she references stuff. And if, if Sally had just said, Raphael, you son of a, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, dude, she's got the the torn up shirt and the muscles. Yeah, and I think it, I think that was intentional. It's right there, man. It's right there. <laughs> oh, so what, what I was gonna say about this, and I don't know if you had the same thought, was Raphael being the the uh, in law. He just stabbed old Hob through the shoulder. <laughs> like seriously, like, um, is this the guy you want trying to arrest the people? I don't. That that's just me. Yeah, man. Like. I've definitely got some mixed feelings about this. Um, I feel like, and maybe this is just my own personal headcanon, and because Raphael is my favorite turtle, mm-hmm. and because I feel certain ways about uh, the the judicial system that we have in this country, and, and the police's, uh, and the role that the police play in it, uh, again, without getting too deep into the weeds and some things, I will I will say that um, I know that like just like the military and just like doctors and nurses and firefighters and first responders, that there are people who become police officers for the right reasons and and they are good people and they have the oh, the yeah. best interests of their community um, at heart and in mind. Uh, with that being said, there are obviously more than a handful of people who have that position and have that power who absolutely should not. Um, and so I, I, I have some thoughts on that, but again, that's not really here nor there, but my, my own personal flavor is that like, I, I couldn't see Raph doing this Except for, and I think this was a well done thing by Sophie and the team, except for the part where he feels like he's making up for something. Yeah. I know that line really did help, but at first I was like, seriously? <laughs> no, exactly. And I I think that is that's the smart part about it, is that's that's the caveat that turns me around on it, is I think it like like most Turtle fans, I think of Raphael as uh, as the rebel, as the loner, he's he's got a lot going on in his. He's he's got a lot on his own mind and on his own back and his own kind of personal turmoil that he deals with, and taking responsibility for like the safety of Mutant Town doesn't really feel like it would vibe with like it would mesh with him and his personal issues but again the the smart thing there the the piece that you know makes it work is him feeling like he owes it to this community because he feels partially responsible for this community existing and so i really like that part of this you know character development because that to me is kind of like a it's it feels brotherly. It feels like caring and nurturing. There's a part of Raph who wants to be accountable for his actions, who wants to be, you know, responsible for the safety of these people because he's partially why 
they're in this situation, why they're in this place. And so he's stepping up and, and trying to be, you know, a big brother and, and right his wrongs. So I'm, I'm cool with that. I will, I'll be interested to see how it develops from here. Um, you know, I've, I've obviously read the issues that come after this and I, I know a little bit of what's what's happened and what hasn't happened and they play on it a little bit but there's definitely still room for for him in this position but um but yeah i was i was definitely conflicted at first but again some some strong some strong reasoning there so i will i'll handle the next uh couple pages raf then i'll get er, (laughs) (laughs) oh that's the coolest name you've ever called me buddy thank you Um, too, too, too much talk about Raphael and he was just buried in my brain right there. Um, I'll, I'll handle this page, Rob, and then I'll turn it over to you. (laughs) Sounds good, man. Um, so in the other room, we, we get like an off, off panel voice that, all right, let's get started on handing out those supplies. But down the hallway, we see the weasels sneaking around and they sneak into the room where Hob is. And he says, Hey there, girls want to help me out. And they're like, yeah, help. And he's like, I'm going to need you to find me a few things like a treasure hunt. And then we turn the page and Rob, you take it from here, bud. Oh, I love the weasels. They're so eager to please, especially little Xana. So innocent, dude. Uh, I know. I know. And I hope he's not just, I hope the entire time that old Hob has been like, I miss my babies. I miss, I miss my kids, you know, all this stuff. I hope that was sincere. And I still think it was. But I also, you know, you definitely get the vibe that he is just playing them. So, ah, uh, dang it, Hob. It's like you talked about with the love-hate relationship, dude. Like, we've seen so much development and so much, like, back and forth with Hob that you you want to, you want to trust him. You, you kind of, well, I mean, I don't want to personally, but the the story makes you want to believe in him that you mm-hmm. you want to see the best in him and see that like he cares about the weasels and he's he's trying to get out of there so he can so maybe he can right some wrongs but yeah. in the back of your mind you know there's more than likely a chance he's just manipulating them oh yeah yeah his track record's not exactly clean yeah not even a little bit <laughs> Yeah, so uh, so right after this, we get um, a shot where the Michelangelo and Raphael, he's sitting there looking like, hey, I'm the bodyguard now. And then Sally, <laughs> she's got the megaphone and everything, and they're giving out medical supplies and everything else. Uh, let's see. Gosh, I wish I had my glasses. Donatello, he says, Leo, are you okay? Jenica adds on, uh, yeah, you're broodier than, uh, than Raph right now. What's up? And Leo's holding pepperoni, just kind of looking down. And he goes, I'm fine. I just don't like be- us being thrust into an arbiter sort of role. It feels wrong. And then uh, Leo's watching the crowd and seeing everything that's unfolding outside. He goes, I want the people here to have that kind of structure in place. But Jenica goes, yeah. She, Jenica, she kind of has like this bored look on her face. She goes, yeah, I get it. But Donatello, he goes, Leo, I would have thought that you'd jump at the chance to be in charge of protecting people. And this is interesting for Leo. He goes, I would, but I don't want the clan to be in a position with authority over people. Leo continues. He goes, we help people all the time, but it's not our job. And it's not up to us to make calls about people's lives. That's not how father trained us. And it's not why we set up the dojo. Donatello goes, you don't want the Splinter clan to be vested with any official power? 
uh, finally, Leonardo just gets right to it. He goes, right. Jenica, she goes, also, the four of you guys are still babies. You got to grow up before all this. And Leonardo, yeah, that too. And that is so true. Like, they're thinking about judicial systems, and they're thinking about setting up a, a, a news headquarters and everything. The thing that I think we often forget about, and especially since, you know, we're getting older, is they're still technically teenagers. Yep. Teenagers having to make all these calls. You know, it's not like volume four where they're, you know, our age, you know, in, in the mid thirties, whatever. These are teenagers trying to f- imagine the burden you have on you to make those kinds of decisions. So look uh, out for an entire community. Yeah, it, for sure. I mean, I think of the things I was thinking about as a teenager and <laughs> well, let's just put it this way. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I don't think I, I, I would have died in issue one. <laughs> yeah, uh, dude, I could. I was barely thinking about my own safety as a teenager, exactly. let alone anybody else's. Amen, man. You're exactly right. So, Jenica, she goes, and I'm glad she brought that up. That just kind of put things into perspective here. And it kind of, you know, plays to the fact that there's a lot on these guys. Uh, so, Jenica, she goes, and look how much pepperoni misses her dad. Leo, she, he goes, none of us are ready to take that kind of role, Raph included. <laughs> Jenica, she goes, don't tell him that. And Raph, he's on the platform, you know, just, again, looking, looking official here. Yep. So one week later, and it's Halloween stuff. I love Halloween. Oh, gosh. So that's when I finally realized this was a Halloween issue because I was way behind in my reading here. And I recognize some of these costumes, but not all of them. Um, is So this is a week later, and you got all the Halloween decorations up, and there's trick-or-treating going on. The turtles are <clears throat> decked in costumes here. So I see, is it Raph that's the Hellraiser here? And I... Th- I think that's Michelangelo. Oh, oh, yeah. Sorry, I only because again, he's got pupils. He's got pupils. Yes, <laughs> and we have Leo here. Is he an alien? I believe that. You know, with that like that long head, and he's got a tail. The de- absolutely looking like a xenomorph, right? Yes, for sure. Yeah. But I'm not sure. That's. I think that might be Donatello. Oh, maybe. Gotcha. Yes, that's right, because Leo is – now, uh, this is just a guess here, but there was an old show. I used to have an old black and white TV, and we had an antenna, and I forget it. I think it was either on NBC or CBS. There was an old show that would show reruns in the early 90s called Mama's Family. Okay. And, and I'm guessing that Leonardo might be the lady from Mama's Family, like the main lady. I can't remember her name now, but she always wore that kind of muumuu or whatever that is and the hair. Okay. I – my brain went straight to Mrs. Doubtfire, but oh what, yeah, what's the what's the name of this show? Mama's Family, I think. Mama's Family. It's like an old '80s sitcom, and they used to play reruns in the early '90s in syndication, and it looks just like the lady. Okay, okay, okay. I am looking. I've, I'm doing a quick Google search here <laughs> on my, and I I think you might be right, dude. I'm looking at the main. Picture of the main lady. Yeah, she usually has like a flowery dress She's, and glasses. The, the the picture that I am looking at is very flowery dress, very gray hair, and glasses. The, uh, the glasses might be the the part that puts it over. Sophie, only you can tell us who it is. <laughs> I <laughs> I was gonna say I was gonna say we will we will probably find out if if uh, Sophie listens to this episode. I'm sure she will let us know. But now what I'm trying to figure out, though, is you've got me wondering, is is that Leonardo? Because Leonardo should have a scar uh, over his eye. 
Um, but the xenomorph oh, is wearing yeah. a mask, so that would cover the scar. So we've got Mikey as the uh, the shell razor. Um, oh, oh, very nice. <laughs> see what I did there? Oh, it took me a um, second. It's it's midnight. <laughs> <laughs> we've uh, we've got April as this like kind of uh, saber tooth tiger kind of cat lady, um, looking pretty good if I may say so myself. Shout out April. Yeah. Um, Tarzan girl. Yeah, yeah. Sheena is like a vampire or a Wednesday Adams kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what is little, little Lita looking? Lita? Just cute as heck as like a little wizard. Okay, gotcha. Um, and then I am, <laughs> I am like ninety five percent sure that they have pepperoni dressed up as Raphael. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Um, there is like pepperoni has a shell and has a red mask. Um, very cute. Now who was Jenica uh, supposed to be? This was the one that I didn't, I didn't know. Jenica looks like like, a scar over her head or like stitched face. Yeah. Like maybe just a, oh no, she doesn't have like neck. I was thinking like Frankenstein, but maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe like a, um, oh geez. I don't know. I'm so, I'm so bad at this game. Yeah. I'm terrible at it. Right. Right. Uh, again, maybe maybe Sophie will let us know, but I, I think we're pretty spot on with the Xenomorph and uh, the Hellraiser, the Pinhead, um, <laughs> and um, and that that Mama's family, dude. I I I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with you on that one. I, I, I I'm thought, gonna err on the side of you. I think you're right. I appreciate that, man. I, I don't know if I'm anywhere close or not, but like that was my first impression. And then I think I Google searched. I was like, wait, that looks just like the lady from Mama's family. Google searched. Well, I was like, there I, is a photo. Again, I, I Google searched it right now, and it yeah. does look strikingly like that. And also, this uh, shows your age a little bit, uh, <laughs> because this, this show was running in 1983. Oh, my gosh, 83. So, yeah, so they did the reruns. Oh, uh, well, it, it okay, to be fair, it ran from 83 to 90. So it I was alive when this was running, too. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, well, my dad had an old black and white TV, and he set my Nintendo on there. But I could still get TV stations. So again, you know, we had a, it was... I don't know, probably from the 70s, the TV, but it had a turn dial, and I literally yep. had the old rabbit ears, and I could watch nice. Mama's Family, and there was another one. Um, oh, not Step by Step. There was another one. Oh, uh, the one with Michael J. Fox. Um, family Ties. There you go. <laughs> I was like, I feel like such a big boy. I, I've got my own cable. <laughs> <laughs> like Rob said, one week later, it's Halloween. Everybody's dressed up. And Michelangelo is letting everybody know that it is time to go trick or treating. And he says, where are you guys? Let's go. Alapex says, are they missing again? This is the third time this week. Lita says, I hope they didn't go see Mr. Cat again, Uh, which is so sweet that she calls him Mr. Cat. (laughs) Um, Leo, a.k.a. the old lady, says, oh, no, let's go over to City Hall and see if we can find them. And then the Xenomorph, who may possibly be Donnie or Leo, we're not sure at this moment, says, it'll give us a chance to see everyone else's costumes, too. There are a lot of other trick-or-treaters. Mikey says, and we can see Raph. And Jenica says, you know, the weasels might just be getting a head start on the candy, and we'll find them on the way. Mm-hmm. Lita, we're going to go out for a bit, but we'll be back in time for trick-or-treating, okay? Mikey says, yeah, we won't be long. You can hang out with Aunt April and Aunt Sheena. April says, we'll take good care of the candy. Also, Leo, your costume is hilarious. And Leo says, you whippersnapper. So boom, there it is. Leo is <laughs> Leo is the old lady. There it is. And then Jenica says, see you soon, babe. And then they encounter some protesters outside of City Hall. Actually, excuse me. No, we're cutting over to different people. Sorry. Uh, so Raph is saying, what is with these people? 
seeing the protesters outside of what is going to be City Hall, and they're calling for justice for the Mutanimals and the release of Ray. Pigeon Pete and Sally Pride are playing checkers, which oh, seems checkers. like it's a yeah. it's a game right up uh, right up Pete's alley. <laughs> Sally says, "You still got it, Pete. Someday I'm going to beat you." He says, "I tried to let you win, but I still won." <laughs> He's got this kind of smug look on his face too. He, like, oh, he looks oh, yeah. super smug. <laughs> Raph says, "I just don't get why they want to free Ray after what he did." And Sally says, "Some of them are probably ex mutanimals. They'll get their wish eventually, I suppose. We can't keep Ray here forever." Come on, help me with the deputy recruitment ideas. We catch up with the weasels who are now sneaking into the facility and their costumes are also pretty great. We got a ghost, a mm-hmm. mummy, and then one of them looking very, very ninja-esque. <laughs> so like a last Ronin weasel. I was going to say, it looks looks pretty last Ronin-esque. <laughs> All right, so the next page, we have a cutaway here and oh, you see our weasels, they got their little Halloween baskets uh, or trick-or-treat buckets or whatever uh by the way i just have i mentioned i love halloween i anytime i yeah, see like, yeah. any decorations pumpkins on buildings in the background i instantly just mark out i love that stuff uh, oh man you should uh you should pay attention then to um john uh, aka at the sewer den oh yeah should pay attention to his um twitter and or instagram around that time of year john has so much ninja turtle stuff in his collection that he has to like basically store stuff until it's the right time of year. He he has oh holiday themed turtle stuff basically. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So like when it's Easter, he's busting out you know Easter related turtle stuff. When it's Halloween, he's busting out turtle or uh, Halloween related turtles. It's very cool. He he always posts some really good stuff. Um, shout out John. Um, he's the man. Yeah, he's he's got some rad stuff. Another guy I I, I almost met. Jeez, I've. I, <laughs> Gotta meet him one day. Next time. Next time. <laughs> It'll happen, man. It'll happen. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, okay. So we get a cutaway to the weasels, and I love how you just see him through the little doorway. You just see those little eyes and everything. Uh, yeah. And you know, there's old Hop, kind of looking a little sad. You know, almost makes you feel bad for him for a split second. And he goes, "You did it!" And he's he, he's just so proud of them for doing whatever it is he had them do. He says, "Those look perfect. You did such a great job." And he's bragging on them, and of course. They're just eager to please. They would have gotten him anything. And, and he, of course, it's a lockpick. He says, let's just see here. <laughs> and he opens it up. And I love little Xana. He's She's holding her arms out like, we did it! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, let's see. I, I don't know if that's zinc right there. He goes, we found your secret box. And he goes, well done, girls. Herman, he's getting a little, he's, he's getting a little impatient. He's like, you better hurry, sir. We need to get out of here. Uh, we get a cutaway where the turtles are outside and Alpex as well as the hot dog. I love that. Uh, let's see. Raph goes, I'm about to head out on, on patrol. The weasels ain't here. Alpex goes, let's just re- relax. All right, let's just check. Relax. Leo, he goes, their stealth skills are pretty sharp now, Raph. Uh, you might not have even noticed them. And Which then, is true. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, you know they, they barge in and they see that Hobbs out of the cage. And Raph does not like that. He goes, what the? Uh, Hob, don't move. And, and again, the weasels kind of oblivious to everything. They're like, the turtles are here. This is great. Everybody's yeah. here. Leo, he goes, Zink, Xana, Mushroom, stay put. And of course, Raph with his signature D word goes running yep. right after uh, uh, old Hob here. So it's another chase here. And old Hob, the rascal, he's he's he knows exactly where he's going. So he runs outside. He goes down this this uh, alleyway, alleyway, pulls up this manhole cover, and then he's down in the sewers, just running as fast as he can. And then 
Raphael, De- oh, I'm sorry, I'm stepping on your toes. These are your two pages. Oh, all good, dude, all good. They, uh, Raph and Jenica follow him down into the sewer, and Raph, uh, this, this almost irks me to read. <laughs> Raph, Raph says, you're under arrest, Hob. And Hob says what I'm thinking. Ha, listen to you. I'm under arrest? <laughs> the rest of the gang is down there now, and Hob's like, pretty soon you guys are going to be just like Stockman or the EPF or any of those clowns with all the power. Look at you, Raph, already working for the man. Raph says, shut up. You ain't going to get in my head. Stop running and face what you've done for once. Hobbs got the guns drawn. The other turtles are behind them, looking looking very serious, but also looking silly as like Alapex <laughs> is in half a hot dog costume and they're all dressed up. Raph says, you can't shoot all of us, Hob. Just drop the guns. He said, what's it going to be, Sheriff Raph? You willing to risk one or two of you getting shot just to get me? Leo says, fight another day, Raph. Raph says, we can't. We just can't let him go. Leo says, stand down, Splinter Clan. Raph says, no way, Leo. I'm in charge here. I swore to protect this place. Mm. Back to you, dude. All right. And Raph, he just goes right towards the uh, pointed weapons here. And then I I, I didn't notice this at the time, but it looks like uh, Janica, she's the one who throws the ninja star uh, right as Raph is charging old Hob. So... The ninja star kind of throws old Hobbs' aim just a little bit off. So pretty much, Jenica saved his life, Raph's life. Uh, and old Hob fires the gun, but it just nicks Raph's arm. And uh, Raph falls down. Uh, Jenica, she's kind of looking at the crowd in, in shock as old Hob runs away. And uh, Alapex helps old Hob up. Or excuse me, Alapex helps Raph up. And we see that old Hobbs, he's gone down this, this tunnel. And he, he knows exactly where to, like, he's been here before. He puts mm-hmm. his hand onto this um, handprint kind of door lock, and then you flip the page over, and a pretty shocking moment here. Very shocking moment. A very, very interesting development that this has been going on kind of under everybody's noses this whole time. We find out that Hob has a secret underground base where he's been stashing Lindsay, and she's down there working in a lab-type area and she has a mutant hand. Um, hmm. I don't remember that development. Maybe that's from work on the mutagen bomb. Um, I'd have to go back and see what that's all about. But she's down there. She definitely doesn't look happy. She looks a little out. Her like her lab coat is all dingy and stained. Her hair's messed up. Like she's she's definitely not living her best life here. <laughs> and uh, Lindsay said, "Where's everyone else?" And Hob says, "Captured or on the run? It's just us." Sorry to keep you cooped up down here this long. She says, no worries. Not like I have a life to worry about. So we're on to phase two. He says, looks like it. It's time to let the mutants develop without the mutanimals. The folks here are already claiming their own power, and that's a success in my book. How's the synthesized mutagen going? She said, it's going. A challenge, but it's going. He says, don't go overboard. I need you human. So that's what's happening. She's she's working on a new mutagen, and she's testing it on herself, and that's why she's got the hand that she's got. Mm. He says, so, you checked out the islands? She says, yes, I did. They look suitable. The Parks and Recreation Department won't let you visit without a permit and escort, and it's a bird sanctuary, but didn't seem like anything we couldn't figure out. Hmm. And back to you, my man, for the final page. All right. Then uh, right after that, Hobbs looking at this map, and boy, am I intrigued. He goes, great. Before we get cracking on that, though, it's time for our next mission. We got to do something about the EPF and that darn wall of theirs. About time, honestly. 
So Lindsay's on his side with this. Uh, and Hob, he grabs something out of the TNT box, a stick of dynamite, and he goes, but first, we need some new recruits. And I know three little weasels who will be perfect. Okay, so I am totally confused. <laughs> so I wonder about this so much. I'm like, okay, he's still on a mission. He's still trying to send a major message to the EPF. But I want to go back to the islands part. He says, mm-hmm. oh, and, and the synthetic mutagen. So Lindsay's been working on the synthetic mutagen. She's been trying it on herself. What is she doing with this mutagen? Why does she want it? Who, who are they using it on or who are they planning on using it on? Are they planning on another mutant bomb? Because the last time that happened, that was that worked out so well. And uh, so you checked out the islands, and then Lindsay says, yes, I did. They look suitable. The Parks and Recreation Department won't let you visit without a permit and escort. And it's a bird sanctuary. So I'm trying to – instantly I was racking my brain. What bird characters do we know of in the TMNT universe? Oh, good thought process, dude. I didn't even think about that. Like – like bird sanctuary like why would they bring that up of all things um i am now that we're putting these puzzle pieces together it feels like especially now that i'm looking at this map a little bit more intently and they've got these pages with um with pins in them like pointing to these islands there's three locations marked for some reason and they all seem to be pointing to one island Mm. so maybe hob's plan is to go like take that island and mutate whatever's on that island because if Lindsay's like it's a bird sanctuary then maybe she's saying like there's a lot of birds there there's a lot of possible like reinforcements there if we mutate right you know the the animal population of this island right that could fly from that island and attack yeah 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 mm, I didn't even think about that yeah a stuck he's gonna return yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, very, very interesting, man. I had kind of forgotten about this part, um, you know, being, you know, a few issues past this now. And um, again, knowing knowing what does and doesn't happen in the next few issues, this is this this definitely has has some stakes to it. There's there's something interesting going on here. Right. And he's known about this all along. I mean, like or, this has been something that he and Lindsay have been working on uh, yeah. for who knows how long. Like, mem- mem- yeah. She remember she said. You know, so phase two's basically started, and he's like, "Yeah, the people have kind of claimed their own power." Yeah. So it feels like you know, feels like he's been he's been doing this almost intentionally, and now he's just like, "Okay, Mutant Town can do what it's going to do now. I'm off to the next thing." So, some yeah, good point. Something something tricky going on here with old Hob. He's a either he's a genius or like he just got lucky, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, I meant to do or, that all along. You get them all riled up. A little me. little little bit of both dude a little bit of column a a little bit of column b like yeah he, he's a tricky trickster for sure yeah i mean that the, the hob is a lot of things but one thing you can say is he's not an idiot you know he's a little impulsive Absolutely. but he's definitely you know he's definitely no dummy and uh nope. so okay so now he's like okay well mutant town self-sufficient time to move to the bird sanctuary the other island uh, and then they said something about the EPF and the wall. Okay, so are they planning on blowing up the wall surrounding Mutant Town? Is that what they're talking about? That's what it sounds like. Oh, man. So doing that first, uh, unleashing the world or unleashing Mutant Town to the rest of the world, that's interesting. And of course, Mutant Town right now is still really divided, or, or at least I don't know if it's like a 50 50 division here, but there's definitely some. 
there's there's some tension. There's some there, tension, yeah. and really, there's no set government really set up yet. Okay, it's in the rebuilding phase right now, or it's just pretty much building from the ground up in the first place. So, this would be kind of a crazy time to just unleash all the mutants into the world. But yeah, I mean, I like this. I, this has got me a little bit more excited about what Hobbs got for the future. And you know, would you argue that Old Hob is the main villain? Of the IDW series, I um, I almost put him like at a Magneto character now. He is that is a very good analogy for him. Like that is that is absolutely the type of character he is. Is like he he feels wronged by a certain you know population of the world, i.e., humans, and he wants better for the people that are like him, the other mutants. But the way he tries to go about that is is a way that's not entirely uh, productive, right. you know, to to say the least. He's trying to he's trying to make humans bend to his will, as opposed to just trying to kind of like immerse mutants in the human population. Uh, right. So yeah, he, he, Magneto is a pretty good analogy. And instead of an asteroid, he can have an island. There you go. There you go. Um, it feels like I definitely I wouldn't say the main bad guy because I would say for the first you know the first fifty issues, um, like Shredder was definitely the main threat, and then after those first fifty issues, it it got a little more all over the place, right? Like the Triceratons were a yeah. threat, and then you know Karai and the Foot Clan were a threat. Um, then the Dragon, you know, the Pantheon the dragon and the pantheon like i i almost i don't know if it's fair to say there is a main protagonist you know what i mean like we've seen we've seen hob have you know the spotlight for a few different arcs where he's the main antagonist and then we've seen agent bishop be you know such a you know big strong antagonist for arcs here and there obviously shredder obviously krang obviously stockman like they've done a really good job of rotating through the villains without you know without making anybody feel useless without making right. anybody feel like underutilized or overutilized you know he had a really strong ending to to Shredder's arc as a villain and then had a whole comeback arc with him. And now he's, you know, slowly working his way back to being, you know, a, um, like a, a main character in the series. Um, I would say for these, you know, these first 20 issues or so, it definitely felt like Hob was, was the driving force of some of the, you know, um, antagonistic things that the turtles like ran into. He was, he, he's been a, you know, bigger bad guy than some other people, but, you know, we had a whole arc where, you know, um, Rocksteady and Bebop were the main bad guys, and mm -hmm. Token Razar were there for a few issues, and, um, like, wait till you read 125, and there's, like, some interesting developments there, so, yeah, man, it's just, just another example of, like, A, how the, how the Turtles team in general, like, the, the, all the people who have worked on this book and all the people like, I mean like how Kevin and Tom and now Sophie are, are good at building out this universe and, you know, using people at the right times and like, Hey, this guy's at the forefront for a little bit. And then we solve a problem with him and shuffle him back into the deck of cards and then pull out this other card. And now we've got this bad guy back at like the main, you know, forefront of the action. 
Right. It's it's good stuff because, um, you know, not to get too spoilery or anything, but we we end off on this note with Hob looking at a stick of dynamite being all sinister and malicious, and then he's he's not really the main bad guy for the you know next few issues yeah um yeah and we'll you know we'll talk more about that when we get to those but it's it's just again like the the way that these excuse me the way that these writers have you know filled this book out and filled this universe out and make it feel like there's there's more than one thing for the turtles to worry about i mean like we discussed in the in the annual like they're about to have to contend with Rat King and Krang and Null and Stockman, mm-hmm. like things are. I remember we talked about this before, and, and and we may have touched on it since, but like one of the big worries post issue one hundred was like, if Shredder's a good guy, who's gonna be like Shredder's a good guy, and Agent Bishop is dead, and Hun is dead, and the Dragon is dead, and Kitsune is is like being um is being what's the word I'm looking for. Um, Like Kitsune is basically a a good, a good guy now too. Like who are the turtles going to have as antagonists? And clearly it's no small list, you know, like (laughs) they, they've got Hob, they've got Stockman, they've got Krang, got Rat King, got Null. Like they, uh, again, no spoilers, but somebody shows up in 125 who is not a good guy. (laughs) So, there is there plenty plenty of villains to go around that I mean Karai is still out there. Uh, yeah. Forgot about Karai. Like she is still out there. Rocksteady and Bebop are still out there. There's there's a laundry list of bad guys for them to still play with. And and, and I love I love like how some of the bad guys like I mean you already mentioned Shredder. He's turned good. We know about the Armageddon game coming up, so we know we're gonna need a super team of. Heroes, and I think some of the heroes are going to be newer heroes that have turned from the dark side. You know, like I could see, totally see Karai fighting with the turtles, helping them in some way during the Armageddon game. Because, like, honestly, she left absolutely on pretty amicable terms. Like they were, they were okay. Uh, she wasn't. They have a, they have a truce. Yeah, they're cool. They're cool now. Her, yeah, her and Leo um, decided on a truce, and and that's a good point, man. Like. I, I totally didn't even think about that as like basically rat King has put together his, his Avengers, yeah. um, you know, so who, who are the turtles going to have? And, you know, besides the usual suspects, like we know we're going to see April. We know we're going to see Casey, Yeah, but like, is Karai going to back them up? Like is um, like, we, we got Mona and Jenica and Alapex, like, who, but but who else is going to be there for them? You know, right, right, yeah. And it it'd be so cool to see some kind of showdown between the 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 two kind of uh, factions. You know, and I mean, we've never seen Shredder this way. And um, I mean, Kitsune or not Kitsune, um, Karai has had a you know tumultuous relationship with the Turtles in every adaptation. So this this will be this will be fun to see. I, I hope they do team up in some way. And I love the fact that old Hob, you know, now we know he's up to something. And then in the next yep. issue, I love, well, I don't want to spoil too much, but I'm looking forward to talking about the next issue with Casey too. That That's going to be a fun one. Cool, man. Can't wait to get to it. Cool. Dude. Yeah. So stay tuned for that, guys. We will be covering issues 123 and 124 on Zach's feed on Booyaka Show. So uh, Zach, would you mind telling our listeners where they can find all of your good stuff? 
I would not mind one bit. You guys can find me, like Rob said, at Booyaka Show, a TMNT podcast available wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also find me on social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at ZosoTMNT. That is at Z-O-S-O-T-M-N-T. Find me on there. Holler at me. Let me know what you think about the show. Let me know what you think about these comics. Let me know what you think of Rob's sweet, wonderful, Pepsi-fueled voice. <laughs> and uh, and I'd love to uh, chop it up and talk turtles with people. Absolutely, man. Uh, great stuff, man. I had a lot of fun tonight. It is 1236, so I think we're going to go ahead and call it done. The Pepsi's starting to wear off a little bit, man. I'll, I'll even say that. <laughs> I'm going to have to drink two liters now. <laughs> you gotta got to up your game, dude absolutely man so uh yeah you can you can find me at turtle pod rob on instagram and twitter yeah stay tuned we have a turtle vision episode coming up and uh, yeah super excited to talk about the next two issues and of course with last ronin that's coming up here in a couple weeks buddy um you know what dude yeah i hate to be the bearer of bad news oh no they delayed it last ronin number five was delayed until march Oh, but you know, it's it's going to be okay because, you know, that might give us time to get caught up on the the IDW run right now. It's, it's just, yeah, they, I actually, I spoke to absolutely no one and they said that they pushed it back so you and I could catch up on the IDW stuff. Oh, that's what they said. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, a, an official that. statement from the president of yeah. absolutely nobody at IDW publishing. Tell Kevin I appreciate it. I've... I will send him a letter via carrier pigeon and let him know. Yeah, peacekeeper Pete pigeon. There, there you go. go. Might, might never get to him. <laughs> Probably not. Oh, good stuff, man. Awesome. Well, hey, we got a lot of great turtle stuff uh, coming uh, coming your way, and also one of these days, hopefully, we um, we would love to get Ben Bishop on and talk about issue four. Maybe leading right up to the release of issue five. So we're that still in the works cool. with that. Oh, yeah. And and with our schedules, it's been tricky. But we'll find a way to do something. So a lot of great stuff coming down the pike. And we thank you guys so much for listening. So on behalf of Zach and myself, oh, what kind of pizza are we going to have to close out another totally tubular episode of Booyaka Tales Radio, my friend? Oh, good question, my friend. I think, and I just, I literally had pizza for lunch today. Oh, um, so maybe I'll just throw my uh, lunch pizza at you. I had a chicken, a chicken bacon bell pepper and oh. onion pizza. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Yeah, it was good. So, sounds like heartburn. Did you have any heartburn today? Uh, I did not. I wow. am. Uh, I I think I'm still. I'm not that old yet. I haven't. Uh, <laughs> I have crossed that threshold where we have to go to bed with tums about every night now. <laughs> uh, I, um, you know what, man? I'm obviously joking, but not joking about this part where I don't get. I think my heartburn comes in the morning. Like oh, I will, wow. I will wake up and I'll have like a little bit of like pressure in in my chest, and I'm like, oh man, I didn't eat good yesterday, and my my chest is trying to, my heartburn is trying to tell me so. Yeah, go. I know. Our body will remind us now, like, hey man, you're not 16 anymore. (laughs) 1,000%. Oh yeah, I know, man. So, uh, well, alright guys, well thank you so much for listening, and on behalf of Zach and myself, here's to hoping you enjoy your friends, enjoy your family, and a mega slice of chicken, bell pepper, onion, and bacon pizza. Oh, and you know what? Since it was a Halloween issue, we'll save some candy corn on there, too. Oh, yes. Throw some candy corn on there. <laughs> Cowabunga, dudes. Cowabunga! There it is. Man, you never fail. <laughs> <laughs>
When your mom gets her first smartphone and she's trying to take a picture of you and she's like <laughs> holding her phone like two feet away from your face or closer. So somebody took this picture of Cal and it looked like a mug shot, dude. But like, but it perfectly framed his face. So like all you could see was like the top of his head, his cheeks and like his chin. And he's, he's an American bulldog. Ah, oh, bulldog. Oh. And he's, he's super sweet. And he just had like these little like scabs and bite marks and stuff all over his face. And I was like, that is the saddest, but like sweetest dog I've ever seen. I have to have it. I was, I was was like, this is the one, like this one finally broke me down. Wow. And so I told my brother, I was like, if you can send me some more pictures, send me some information about his temperament, like got to know more details before I just bring this dog home. And so I talked about it with my wife, talked about it with our sister-in-law who was living with us at the time, got some more info from my brother. And we were talking, we were driving somewhere one day and we were talking about it. And my brother had sent me like his info sheet and his name was Biggie. Um, <laughs> and I told Katie, I was like, we, we were saying something about it. And she was like, yeah, like we probably won't bring it home. But if we do, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, if we did, we would change his name. And they were like, my Again, Katie was like, what would you name him? And I was like, oh, I've already got a name. And they were like, what? And I was like, his name would be Kal-El. And she was like, like Superman? And I was like, yeah, look at his nose. And the, he's his nose, he's got a black nose, like an American bulldog. But like the shape of his nose looks like Superman's like <laughs> S crest, you know? Oh, wow. <laughs> and so I was like, if we get this dog, he can have no other name but Kal-El. Exactly. Uh, and then my wife was like, well, if you've already named him, then you've already decided you want this dog. So, like, let's figure it out. So we figured it out. <laughs> and now I uh, promise I'm going to get this story around to what you were asking me about. Because I got a dog and named it Kal-El, I was like, well, I, I can't not read some Superman <laughs> stuff and be this poser who has, you know, a dog named Kal-El. So I went to the shop one day and asked Aaron, like, yo, man, like, what? Superman stuff do I need to read? I was like, I have little to no connection to Superman. I kind of fell into the camp of like, he's too much of a boy scout. He's too, you know, too nice. And he's too powerful, blah, blah, blah. Like all those boring, like nonsense excuses that everybody gives all the time about Superman. Right. Yeah. Aaron gave me a couple suggestions. And then another buddy of mine, TJ gave me a couple suggestions. I dug into those suggestions and I was like, holy cow. Superman is so good. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I, I um, speaking of Randy, the guy I covered for that one time, he's like a diehard Superman fan, and I was kind of in that camp too. I knew nothing about him except for you know what I had seen on TV, and I kind of liked him as a kid. Like I remember there's like these old 1940s cartoons of Superman. I thought were so cool yeah. as a kid. But that was really all I had to go by, and maybe like I saw half of the first movie at one time. Um, so I really knew nothing about him, and I was definitely like an all-Batman guy when I was a kid. And of course, I was more of a Marvel guy. But anyways, uh, Randy, uh, in his shop, he was a diehard Superman fan. And he actually has, uh, his entire home is like a museum just dedicated to Superman. He's a very eccentric 
guy and uh uh he just it just told me about a couple of great storylines, and I started reading. I read Birthright, which was really good, and then okay. uh, uh, All Star Superman. Yes, I read All Star. It was great, and then I yep. read um, the the two thousand. It's the one that came out a couple years ago. Uh, Up in the sky. Uh, it wasn't that one, but it was the other one. It was just Superman, I think. Okay. Uh, but it's like in twenty eighteen when it came out. But really, oh, was good. it the Rebirth Superman stuff by uh, by Tomasi and Gleason? Yes, yes. I actually like okay. that stuff. I thought it was really good. That is, like, uh, that is good. That's good Superman. I agree. Yeah, I love the fact that he's a father in it. Uh, yes. And it makes me appreciate him a lot more as a dad, you know. Okay, so that is fun. I'm so glad you brought that up because that was all this happened. Like, the stuff with Cal happened, and that kind of, like, set me on the journey but I just, you know, I dabbled, I read some things, and I was like, okay, cool, like, I appreciate Superman more now. Mm-hmm. But then, Katie got pregnant. And I think something about the idea of becoming a father, and then reading the certain Superman stories that I did, something, excuse me, something clicked with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where... I was I was finding the right Superman stuff at the right time, and there is, um, if you get a chance right now, man, the the Action Comics run that is going right now. A guy named Philip Kennedy Johnson is writing it right now. Uh, he's been writing it. He took over with um, Superman. He took over with Superman. Two, oh gosh, what did they do with that? He took over with Action Comics like 1029 or 1030 or something like that, and he's oh, okay. been on it since, and it is next level, like, great Superman. It's getting a lot of props, like, a lot of oh. people are like, hey, this is, like, this is going to be, it, p- people are basically, like, propping it up like it's going to be a new classic Superman run. It's really, Ooh. really good. This guy, Philip Kennedy Johnson, like, he's he's got the right mindset, he's got the, he, he knows Superman. Uh, he's a father. He's a military guy. Like, but he's like a kind of progressive-minded military guy. So, like, it, I, I don't know. It, he's just he's firing on all cylinders, and he's writing a really, really good action comics. But it was All Star Superman. It was um, Superman up in the sky, dude. You, that's that is to me a modern classic. That was written by Tom King, and it's one that I think it slips under a lot of people's radar because DC released it as part of this program they were doing um, where they were having specific comics written that were exclusive to Walmart. So oh, wow. they released, at, at first, they released only in Walmarts, and then once they were you know collected um, later on, then they became available to comic book stores. So it's, a, it's just a six-issue miniseries about this girl who gets kidnapped from uh, Gotham, I believe, but Batman goes to Superman because uh, the the people who kidnap her are aliens, and Batman's like, "Yo, like, well, maybe it's not Gotham. I need to reread it." But basically, long story longer, this girl gets kidnapped, and the whole thing is about Superman going to find this kidnapped girl out in space, and like what he. The, the things that he deals with on his adventure in space, but then the things that he's dealing with mentally and emotionally, feeling like 
every day that he's not on Earth, something bad could be happening without him. Yeah. And and if he's not there, like, how is everybody else holding up? And so it's this really awesome character study of, like, what Superman worries about as Superman. Like, yeah. think about the things that you and I worry about on a daily basis as as just as men like as as in as human beings Mm -hmm. as husbands as fathers as people with jobs and responsibilities think about the things we worry about and then amplify that to a cosmic level where superman is worried about earth like he's worried about lois he's worried about his son he's worried about every human being on the planet and it is so good, dude. It is so, so, so good. Oh, man. There Sounds great. There is probably my... Uh, I, I, I won't spoil anything, but there's there's a whole section where Superman is like answering questions. And it's so, it's so cute and it's so sweet because it feels like the questions that are being asked are like... They're questions that we would ask if we got to meet Superman, like, <laughs> like who Superman, who would win in a fight? You or Batman. And he gives a pitch perfect answer. Like it is, <laughs> it is the answer that you would expect Superman to give. Right. Um, it's so good, dude. It's, it's out there in like trade collections. You could find it for like 20 bucks somewhere. Like it is, it is absolutely worth your time and money. I'll have to check it out. Cause I think I have like, cause I, I remember seeing the up in the skies and I think I might have like issue two and three. They were the bigger books, weren't they? Like they were they, bigger than a normal comic. I think they're a little bit longer than a normal comic. Yeah, yeah. Um, they should be the same size, I believe. Like they, oh, okay. uh, like trim wise, I think they're the same size. But um, but they might be a little bit longer than a normal comic. Okay, gotcha. But, uh, but yeah, but there's six issues. Um, I will. I'll send you a picture here when we're done, so you can see what they look like. I've got all six issues, and I think. No, I do not have a trade, but I will eventually get it in trade because I, I like it that much. Awesome, man. Well, you got me sold. I'll have to go back and check it out. So, yeah, man. Uh, um, yeah, again, long, uh, to, to circle back around now 10 minutes later, um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm not, not a diehard Superman fan, but I am absolutely 100% in the camp of Superman is the superhero. Like any yeah. and all superheroes after him should be judged on the scale of like how they relate to Superman or, or, or not should be judged, but like, you know what I mean? Like he, yeah. he is the beginning and end of superheroes. Um, like Batman might be cooler and, and you know, he's got the cooler costume and he's dark and gritty, whatever. But like Superman is the best superhero and actually, and that's, that's kind of, it's funny. There's like a section in Superman up in the sky that kind of exemplifies like why he's the best. It's like the mission statement of the book is like why he's Superman and why he's the best. Ah, that's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah, I mean, I love that stuff. And you know, I am a sucker for and thank God for podcasts because like <laughs> I, I found a bunch of old radio serials from the, the was it the 40s and 50s and 60s okay. I mean going all the way up to like the 70s of just Superman stories like radio nice. dramas yeah. I love radio dramas like I started down I, I got into that and there was I forget I think it's called old Superman radio or old time Superman radio or something 
And this guy, he did a podcast like in the early 2000s, just when podcasts were starting to be a thing. And he did every single episode that he could find. He like archived them all. Um, And I I listened to quite a bit of them. And there's just some kind of charm to radio drama. And that was like a big influence on me and and, and all the skits I try to throw into, you know, episodes and stuff. Because I love radio drama. It is so cool. And it's just a dying art. You don't hear it much anymore. Absolutely, man. I think there's actually, uh, now that you say that, there is a, a, a podcast slash radio drama of Batman stories. Ooh. Uh, because there was like a, there was a comic book that coincided with the launch of the podcast. Like it was a one issue uh, it was a one shot that had like four or five little mini stories in it, and those mini stories coincided with like episodes of the podcast. Uh, oh, I will cool. double. I'll try and I'll try and remember and check tomorrow and see what it's called and um, and and try and help you find it. And it, it might be worth checking out. I I haven't read the book and haven't listened to any of the podcasts, but I know it's a thing that's out there. Oh, very cool, very cool. Yeah, there's another one. I think there's a there's one based on the X Men too. I was uh. I don't know. I, I think I was like going through like recommended podcasts for you or something like that, and I, I just found that one. I was like, oh, so these are all based on Superman or excuse me, uh, X Men comics, uh, but they're actually like dramatized. So there's okay. e- there's effects, there's you know real voice actors doing everything. So I'm like, wow. Nice. So I, I'm glad it's still around this the, the whole radio kind of idea. So I'd love to do more with that one day. Yeah, I I don't want to. Uh, never mind. This, that'll it'll be something we'll have to keep off air. Oh sure. I don't I don't want to spoil anything that's not not mine to spoil. Okay. Cool. Cool. Awesome. All right, man. Well, hey, uh, we'll go ahead and hit it running. Uh, so we are on one twenty one and one twenty two, right? <laughs> Sounds right to me, man. I am I am ninety seven percent sure that you and I did the annual and one. Yes. Oh no, you're right. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I need to hop into my, uh, thing and edit the title of the episode. Sophie actually pointed this out to me. Uh, oh, she messaged like me. Moron. Oh, God. <laughs> I was like, Oh, uh, Sophie does such a great job with her art. And it was Jody the whole time. I'm like, uh, yeah. Oh yeah, no, no worries. <laughs> um, but she, she had said like, Hey, like I, I thought you skipped a, you know, skipped a bunch because the title is 125, and I was like, oh, that must have just been a Freudian slip, like, because I want to <laughs> talk about 125 so bad. Yeah. Um, but I, I just totally typed the, typed the title wrong. <laughs> well, hey, um, you know, if you're available next Friday, we could try to do another two, um, whatever you want, um, man. I'm down, buddy. We'll, we'll get there. I, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I've, I've told, I've told Sophie, like, hey, I. And and she's totally. I think she's just busting balls too. Like she's not trying to hold anybody's feet to oh, the fire yeah, or anything. Gotcha. But like, um, it it just it is what it is, man. We're two dudes mm-hmm. living life and, and trying to figure this out. Where you know you're three hours ahead of me and you know s- slamming Mountain Dew to stay up till you know <laughs> one in the morning to talk to me. <laughs> oh, I feel like I, I. It's a wonder and a miracle I haven't had a kidney stone because like I've got <laughs> seriously because I've got like now I've moved on to. At our Ingles, at uh, near my house, they have just the liters, not the two liters, but just the one liter uh, okay. diet Pepsi's. So okay. I, I've I've drank almost an entire one already uh, uh, since I started recording with Kirkland like a little while. It's terrible for you. I don't know why I'm doing this to myself, but here yeah. we are right now. <laughs> Sometimes you just have those days, man. Like I oh, yeah. I will go through like chunks of time where I'm like, nope, not drinking any soda. Yeah, I, I don't want any more soda in me. The end. And then I'll have days where I will, throughout the course of a workday, I will have 
a root beer and then a Dr. Pepper and then I'll go to the to the liquor store and I'll get a uh, uh, like a 24 ounce Dr. Oh, Pepper yeah. and then it, it's it happens man this, uh, this stuff is it's the sweetest poison there is <laughs> I know man buddy I know hey I know what you're talking about Dr. Pepper that's like my that's my go to drink right there yeah yeah dude uh, that and um, it's like it's like that old Jerry Seinfeld bit there's like there's morning Rob and there's evening Rob morning Rob has ambitious goals <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I am not going to do this today. I am going to do this today and all these things. And then Evening Rob's like, no, no, come on. You can have a drink. Oh, come on, have a, have a Coke. Come on. Uh, yep. yep. And then, you know, Morning Rob gets mad at Evening Rob. So, yeah, you know how it goes. <laughs> it's a vicious cycle. Cowabunga, dude, you do that. Rob here hopping on real quick right at around 630 in the morning on a beautiful Sunday morning. And uh, yeah, super excited because as I was editing this episode you just heard, um, I listened to the part where we talked about old Hob and whether or not he's a genius or, you know, just lucky, uh, especially after all the events that happened after issue 122 and an eight. Uh, so anyways, I went back. I was like, wait a minute. I think I've got this figured out. Now I could be completely wrong. So if you look at the very, very first panel of 122, it shows all the boxes. It shows everything that he has had saved. And there's a sticky note that says, help yourselves, Hob. So here's the thing. In the middle of that panel, you see a radio and you see a notepad. And I think I might have figured this out. And maybe, I, you know, everyone else knew all along. I'm just kind of a slow learner. I think that Hob had planned all this all along. You know, did things go exactly according to plan? Probably not. But I think that he might have hoped that he could have been the leader of Mutant Town for a little while. And, you know, things kind of went awry. But I think his end goal was always to leave Mutant Town, where it was finally self-sufficient, where it was able to stand on its own. And now we have that with Sally and the judicial system that the Turtles were trying to come up with and, and everything else. And he literally does say that at the end of this issue. Hey, it's time to it's time to move on to some other areas, like the island and blowing up the, the, the wall around Mutant Town. So... That blows me away. If, if I'm correct on this, if my interpretation is correct, that makes me love Hob even more because he has been trying so hard to kind of keep the ship afloat, to, to keep going, even though he wasn't sure that he could. And even though he was like the common enemy that everyone wanted to go against. So he had this plan all along, and it was hard to kind of stay true to that plan, but he did. And that makes me love him even more. You guys know I love old Hobbs, so if this is correct, my whole theory is this is correct. I mean, because why else would he leave the crates behind and that note, knowing that someone would find it, including the ice cream sandwiches? I mean, that's serious. Why would he do all that if it wasn't his plan? And the turtles, you know, they kind of seem a little baffled by it at the beginning, too. And of course, I, you know, at 12 o'clock at night when we recorded this episode originally, I completely missed it. But here, bright and early in the morning, morning rob he he noticed that <laughs> so so sophie if you're listening at this point god bless you you're a glutton for punishment but uh if you could kind of confirm whether that's that's right or wrong boy i i, I just i want to believe it's right <laughs> and that just makes me love the character more all right guys so real quick uh, i just want to also say we are uh doing a retro junkies episode this week if you haven't heard our x-men 2 clone wars episode that was su- super fun to do big big slice of pizza out to my buddy uh, Ryan from Talking Snicked uh, he really got me back into diving through the X-Men comics in the last several months and um, 
I love X-Men so much, I wanted to do an episode with my buddy Landon regarding the X-Men video games, but we talk about the cards, we talk about the comics, our favorite characters. If you haven't listened to that episode, it's already on our Retro Junkies feed. We are a, that's my original podcast uh, that, that um, started it all, started Turtle Flakes, then the spinoff of Turtle Flakes with Turtle Tales Radio. So uh, if you want to go give that a listen, we would love to have you. We have a brand new feed this year, and um, we're just trying to kind of build an audience again and a community again. Um, very, very small time, always have been, but uh, especially now with a new feed, we don't have many listens at all. And we would love for you all to kind of jump ship and let us know what you think. And uh, with that, we are actually going to be talking about Spider-Man on the next episode. Uh, And my plan is to record that this Friday with Landon. And uh, um, yeah, if you have any uh, memories regarding the Spider-Man cartoon, this specific game we're going to cover is Spider-Man and Venom versus Maximum Carnage on the SNES and Super Nintendo back in 1994. We would love to hear what you guys think about that. But guys, I'm sure you've heard enough of my rambling. I hope you all have a wonderful week. Uh, God bless, and as always, cowbunga dudes. (laughs) 